Welcome to the DAS Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, SEL Consultant and Dean of Students. Here on the DAS, relationships and communication come first. That's why every week our goal is to provide social-emotional learning solutions for your school community. You can learn more about me and the DASH podcast at TreyGammons.com, where you'll find our middle and high school SEL workbook, Every Decision Counts, more about the DASH podcast, and my story through education. And if you are in need of accessible, autonomous, continued education, check out our adult SEL platform, SELeducators.com the only platform dedicated to adult social-emotional learning activities. Lastly, we want to give a big thanks to the Teach Better Podcast Network for putting together a collection of podcasts dedicated to supporting the entire school ecosystem through in-depth conversations that you care about. Thanks again for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the episode. This is The Dash. Thanks again for joining us here on the DASH Podcast. I'm here with Stacy Yamanishi, a middle school English teacher out in Los Angeles, California. Thank you so much for joining us, Stacy. I've got a little affinity for Los Angeles and some of the old school music uh, that comes out of those parts. So um, thank you very much. I appreciate you. The donut-loving teacher, how are you doing today? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Such an honor to be here. Um, doing well. It's a sunny day here. Uh, even though it's fall, you know, we don't get a lot of cold weather. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. does it rain? They, they say it never rains in Southern uh, California. It's rained once in the last <laughs> 10 months. What? Really? That's kind of crazy. Yeah, it doesn't rain that much. And I, I feel like we're ill-prepared for rain anyway. Like the streets flood. Wow. I guess that's why there's so many fires around there, too. I know that's a whole different subject, but just how dry it is and whatnot. So, uh, Stacey, I don't think I knew what your real name was for a while, because on Instagram, you go by the donut loving teacher. And if you ask anybody that knows me, they know how much I love donuts, too. So um, I'm very interested in your page. And it looks like you go to some great donut places, too. How did you kind of get that name and and what kind of things does the donut loving teacher do? (laughs) So uh, my favorite donut to start is a strawberry sprinkled cake donut. Um, But the name came up because I had just moved from the LA area. I actually moved up north to Chico, which is a very small town in Northern California. And before that I was trying to start a TPT and I was, MS teacher LA because Mm. my students always called me miss miss so it was like a play on being a middle school teacher and always being called miss and living in LA but I was like well I don't live in LA right now so I guess I need a new name and um I just really do love donuts (laughs) and I felt like that was a big part of me at the time I and it just kept growing Mm -hmm. um yeah, and I see you You have, like, different kind of donut-themed products or, or, like, visuals that you've got in different color schemes. So what kind of, you know, you you kind of got people, other people love donuts, too, you know. So how, how has that just love and affinity for donuts and your name kind of grown into, you know, people that, that, that want to do some of the same things that you're doing? Yeah, I think... Um... 
just starting out with something relatable to other people like a donut, right? People could relate, a lot of people like donuts. Um, and then drawing in interest to being more than just a donut loving teacher. Like I mm. do love my donuts, but I'm definitely not, don't feel like I'm only, that's my only interest. And that's the only thing that I share about on my Instagram page. Understood. Understood. I like it. Well, I'm I'm certainly, you know, excited to to talk with you and learn more about you because I do get to see so much of you, um, you know, on Instagram and the different, you know, stories you're doing, ideas you've got, just thoughts, you know, it, it just looks pretty cool out there in Chico, California, you know. Um, well, it, now it looks, I'm back in L.A., but yeah. Oh, back in L.A., well, shoot, then in <laughs> Los Angeles, yeah, it looks good out there, too. Um, what are some of the, the things that you've learned about yourself through your journey in education, um, whether it's moving to those different locations and populations or period? Uh, that's a lot, um, <laughs> a lot of thoughts, but I feel like, well, the reason that I'm in education is because I, I really did like being in school when I was a kid. Mm. Like it was a really safe space for me. There was a lot of structure. I knew what to expect. Um, I don't know. It just felt like a good place for me. And, but I was always the quiet kid. Like if my teachers knew what I was doing now and that I was a teacher, (laughs) I think they'd kind of be like, wait, she talks. (laughs) Mm. Um, So I think that the thing that I've learned most about myself through this journey is like, I do have a voice and um, others will listen to it. And mm, it does make mm, a difference. Mm. Yeah. We do, we give shine sometimes to, to students for you know doing something that we you know agree with. And I, I certainly give you shine for that because I think who isn't that what we need in our classrooms is students to find their voice, you know, and to have that voice and to have a choice and to just that that's so much. That's when I when I do observations in classrooms, most of the feedback is hey. It was 80-20 student talk versus teacher talk. You, you were talking 80% of the time. The students had no input in the class. At least be 50-50. And right. that's, what I'll, I'll, that's what I think a lot of times. But um, going back for you personally, when did you find your voice? Was it in school or was it not until after school? Um, yeah, I'll leave that one there. Um, I would feel like I kind of really found my voice when I became a teacher. Mm. I think even in like my teaching program and like going to school, I was always a a bit more reserved in front of people. Um, But when, I don't know. And so part of me is like, well, what (laughs) made me think I would want to be a teacher talking in front of people, you know? But like you said, it's more than just talking. Like, sure, I talk in the front of the classroom at times, but it's not my voice that should be at the center. so I feel like being in the classroom is really where I I found my voice and I found I found it like I found yeah, I'm just yeah. That's I guess I'm having a hard time finding my voice at the moment. <laughs> but um being in the classroom, I think with students and trying to get other people to find their voice and use their voices is mm-hmm. how I was finding my own at the same time. I mean, that's I think that's, that's yeah, no, I, I think it, it makes it makes amazing sense. So, because there's different zones you're getting, I think about for myself, um, speaking 
in, in different scenarios speaking, Stacy, I just I just think different. I just move when I'm when I'm in a facilitation role. Similar, it's the same with teaching. I taught I taught from middle school through you know college and adults. And it there's I don't know. There's just a different mode when I'm in that mode. That that's not like the regular me. And I can I can speak a little different. I don't stutter as much. I don't have these little hiccups or ticks or insecurities that I usually have. I'm just the best version of me um, when I'm facilitating. Is, is that kind of? Exactly. Like you're just in go mode. You're in the yeah. zone. You're not really overthinking anything. Mm -hmm. You're just in the moment and that's it. And it, that's yeah. where the, I guess the magic happens. Yeah. W would you say, so as a teacher, are there ways that you can help students find their voice earlier? Or is that, if we just find our voice at our own time? Ooh, I think both. Mm -hmm. I think one, knowing that you can find it at any time is what also kind of not feeling pressure to feel like you have to, you have to find yourself. You have to know who you are. You have to find your voice. But just knowing that it's there and it's ready for you when you're ready mm. is really important. Yeah, yeah, that's the truth. I think those are that's patience that you have to breed and, and self-awareness that yeah. goes along with it. I know that relationships are important to you in your classroom. How do you get started with relationships, especially and particularly in a time when you're transitioning to virtual, hybrid, face-to-face, -face, whatever we've got going on? Yeah, usually it's just those little conversations. The it starts with the hello, how are yous, and then it turns into, you know, it grows from there as you become more comfortable with each other. Um, I guess I'm, I guess it, <laughs> I'm curious. So I ask a lot of questions, mm. um, you know, I, I mean, like if a student cuts their hair, I'm like, oh, did you get a haircut this weekend? And then it starts a conversation. Yeah. And then I did this and then I did that. Yeah. Um, just finding little things to have conversations about that can right. build into bigger conversations, mm -hmm. I feel like is, is how relationships start. And I think trust, how trust starts, you know, and remembering what they tell you or, um, I mean, in any relationship, when somebody remembers something that you told them, you're like, oh, you really did listen or like, mm. um, and I don't know, I don't remember every single thing my student says, but just taking time to try to do that or I feel like helps this year being virtual is so hard. Um, we're not requiring students to have cameras on because there's so many other factors going on with the cameras being on. And as much as I would love to see their faces, um, it's just something that's not- Not the most important right now. Yeah. Um, but I think what has helped me build relationships this year is just stopping and answering any random thing they, they bring up in the chat. So in one of my classes, a student said, Ms. Yam, do you play Among Us? And I was like, what's that? No, I've never heard of it before. And it totally has changed everything. That answer, stopping to answer that one question mm. was such a game changer for me because it's just this easy app that you can download. And then we spent lunch. Wow. 10 kids came to play. And then other kids were like, wait, I heard you play Among Us at lunch. And then it just kind of grew <laughs> from there. We haven't been doing it as much, but just in the beginning of the school year. Yeah. 
to connect and know each other. And a lot of times those are the kids that are the ones responding to me more than they were before now, mm. just mm. because we have something to talk about or we've had conversations before. Right. Um, so it was kind of a nice little icebreaker. Yeah. I mean, when you do things like that in the beginning of your school year, when you're first getting to know them, it pays dividends when you try to show them what your content is going to look like or what your productivity is going to look like, what my expectations are going to be like, because now, Hey, this is me and you talking here. Let's, let's get down the business. Yeah. I know we, you know, we're cool now, but we got these standards to meet. So let's, we're going to get to work too. Absolutely. A, a, it set, definitely sets the foundation. <laughs> absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I know we mentioned, and we were both a part of, uh, educators to educators. I did my presentation on three restorative practices you can use in your classroom. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your presentation in classroom that you, or, excuse me, presentation that you did for E2E last sure. summer or this um, past summer? Yeah, this past summer I did my, I guess my presentation was on um, social emotional learning and specifically on using community circles in the classroom, which has been very different in a virtual space. <laughs> um, and I've been attempting it. It's de we definitely are in a, in a place where we're having as deep of conversations, gotcha. um, but students still get a chance to have their voices heard, whether they want to or not. Um, <laughs> and um, just really taking time to build those relationships with your students but also so that they feel seen among each other as yeah. well yeah yeah, yeah. I, so important and that was i think the third practice that i used in in mine as well was restorative circles and there's so many types of circles i think it's one of the best and simplest practices you can use in your classroom can we slow down for a minute and talk through what is a community circle and how do you how would one do this in our classroom? And, and then we'll talk about how you've had to adjust it to meet your needs for right now. Sure. Um, well, I'll start by saying like where I learned how to do community circles and why I feel they're important in my classroom. I learned them as a grad student. We had a however many hour long class and all we did every week in that class was come and be in a community circle. Mm. Um, Wow. So I guess kind of the structure that I learned is there's a talking piece and you do genuinely sit in a circle so everyone can face each other. Um, there's a big question that gets asked and the talking piece goes around and you can say as much as you want or as little as you want. Um, but the norms that are set are that you're speaking from the heart, you're listening from the heart, um, you have the right to pass and kind of respecting, honoring confidentiality of what's shared in that space. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's kind of like the, the way that I, I learned it. Um, and I do remember that class, it sounds easy, right? Like all you have to go is do and go do is show up but and talk tough. about yourself, but it was hard. And there were often times where there were tears and, you know, but that is those, those tears were like, healing tears mm. um so i felt like as a cohort we were all really close because we we actually knew each other 
Um, yeah. We weren't just classmates. Like we knew each other on a pretty deep level. Yeah. Um, and so bringing that into the classroom has, there have been times where it's gotten really deep, but for the most part, um, it's a time for like students' voices to really be the center. Mm -hmm. um, we still have a talking piece. We have the same norms, mm -hmm. but usually the first, we have different rounds and the first rounds are usually like quick check-ins or something pretty light um, um, that everyone can get comfortable with. Yeah. And then from there, kind of kicking it up a notch. Um, right. How often are you doing these circles? Currently, I'm doing them once a week, which I know isn't enough, but. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's, that's not, I mean, so how long does a community circle, a circle take? Virtually right now, it's taking about 30 to 40 minutes. Um, so, I mean, that's a, that's a whole class period and you're talking about middle school, eighth grade, right, correct? Right. That's pretty good time because you don't have much. So does that come from a homeroom period or is that from your actual English lesson time? So it's been happening. I actually have a yearbook class. And um, so we're really, I'm really pushing it harder in there. Mm -hmm. I've done it a couple of times in my English classes, um, but I want to build up to it. But I think yeah. the number one thing is also knowing that it doesn't always have to be like this touchy feely emotional thing. Um, the same structure of these mm. circle times really works for talking about their opinions about content too. Like when you read a book, That's how a do you idea. like talking about characters or themes and yeah. relating to having opportunities to relate to those characters and themes yeah. also is pre-virtual what I spent a lot of time doing in mm -hmm. my English class. I love it. And those are the those are the kind of brain links too and connections on how you make things your own. Picasso said that good artists borrow and great artists steal. So you take a concept and hear me out here, hear me out here. Because you have an idea of a community circle, and traditionally it has the thought of, hey, we're getting deep here, we're solving a problem, it's gonna be some crazy stuff coming out. But there's different versions of that. And you can, there's community circles, check-in circles, restorative circles, peace circles, peer circles. There's all celebration circles. There's different kinds you can use, different questions, different ways, different we, reasons to use them. So I, I can, I certainly can see that. And um, to just give you the support to keep doing what you're doing right now, I'd say once a week is great. Are you, let me ask this, are you at a school or a district that supports you with social emotional learning? Do you guys have a curriculum that you're using? We do not have a curriculum. Over summer, we did do, we did do our own community circle as a staff. Um, and we had a couple people come in and do it. And I, so for context, this is my first year at this school okay. in a new, di in new district. Um, and we had a lot of conversation around community circles and restorative circles. And I was like, yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> um, and then I had talked to a coworker saying like, so how often should I be doing these? Like is once a week enough? And I found out that they have started the work, but um, the work that they've started, they were doing one a semester in their advisory classes. Wow. Um, so I see a lot of room for growth there. Yeah. And, yeah. and especially now too, I know virtual is strange, but mm -hmm. I think um, 
even if kids don't feel like they really want to talk, they do. I yeah. think deep down they, they do. So Stacy, when you know you say it's different virtually and kids sometimes they say they don't want to talk but they really do once a week so most SEL programs are focused on kindergarten middle school or excuse me kindergarten elementary middle school usually gets left out so I don't think that your district is um, alone as far as middle schools that don't have SEL programs so I think that 40 minutes sounds pretty pretty good um, or that that one class period now I, I would commend you for the way that you're able to integrate that time into those classes at whatever level, especially because it's not done by the schools. What do you feel like are obstacles in the way of your school or district realizing the value of having everybody do community circles at middle school or have um, yeah, some kind of SEL practices? Um, well, being new, I don't know if this is a fair thing to say, and also it being a strange year. Um, but I do feel there has been a lot of pressure for testing. Mm. Okay. And that should not be our priority. I know that our, I mean, there were some talks and some concerns over, you know, if it's going to be a secure browser, and we have to hope that the kids, no one's giving them the answer. And the reality of it is, do the kids have a place that they can take a test because right. a lot of oftentimes when they say like oh I don't want to go on mic because it's loud in my house and I'm like it's fine just do it anyway um sometimes I do like little breakout rooms so it's just me and them so they don't have to mm -hmm. feel like everyone's gonna hear everything right. and they unmute and it is loud and it doesn't sound like they have con control over it mm -hmm. um so I think I strayed from the question, but I think testing and test scores has been too high of a focus. Mm. Um, and it's put pressure, I think the districts are put, or the district is putting pressure on admin. And so that translates to admin putting pressure on teachers. Yeah, And that leaves me in a very strange place of telling my students, try your best. I mm -hmm. know that I can't control the testing environment. And when I'm asked to look at your test scores from last year to the tests that you take right now, it's unfair. Right, right, right. It's, it's not fair at all. And it wasn't fair to begin with. So I, I, I can, I, I certainly hear you um, from that end as well. You know, with, with the kids, I think we're getting insight to why kids love coming to us so much. You know, we had a, a crop of students, not mo only about 25% of our kids are face-to-face but a crop came in to do some testing and they were so excited to be back, so excited to have that structure. And you just see so many situations where school is just such a stable place that's consistent and gives you um, so much during a day. You're there eight hours. That's where kids spend most of their time during a day, you know, just being in one place aside from sleeping or besides right. sleeping. So um, I, think that's, I think that's really important. And I appreciate how you're using your circles now so I'm curious, you had the class about community circles and you're doing about one a week now. Have you been in districts in the past that have had these kind of practices regularly? So I was working in a charter school prior. Um, I guess last year at my charter school, we did one a week school-wide. Um, mm. That was the 
we had um, advisory time and it wasn't even our advisory class. They broke it down even smaller where um, TAs and administrators mm. also led their own circles. So it was a pretty close knit um, yeah. group every week. Um, and then prior to that, I was in a fifth grade class and I went to a training and was the, um, the advice was you should be doing circles at least three times a week. And I was like, wow, I think that's why I feel now like, oh, mm -hmm. I, I barely do one a week. Um, but I think, I think you had mentioned that middle school gets left out a lot. And I right. think that's true for SEL and a lot of other, other areas too, between elementary and high school. Mm -hmm. I always feel like middle school is kind of just like that middle child. Yeah. Um, not that maybe I shouldn't use the middle child's stereotype, <laughs> but um, just kind of always like in the middle, mm -hmm. like even for teacher PDs, there's a lot of focus on elementary and a lot of focus on high school. And being a middle school teacher, there's so few PDs that you go to where you're like, they get me, they get my students. This is so relevant. It's mm -hmm. always like, oh, but you can tweak it for middle school. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that, that's the worst, because I feel like middle school is the most important, because it's such a transitionary period. From sixth to eighth grade, you're going from being a kid to a young adult, and you're figuring it out in sixth, They're really to trying grade. to find themselves. Yeah, that, that's so important. I, heard, I had an interview with someone one time that said, life is found in the fleeting in-between moments of life. So what you're doing in between one grade to the next one class to the next, et cetera, yeah. you know, makes a big difference. So um, you were asking before if I, I had worked uh, off air, if I had worked in big districts or small districts prior. So I, I was not intent on being an educator out of school myself. I was a psychology major, but when I, my last semester I spent abroad in Europe. And so when I came back, I was just ready to you know, get into something. And so I had a RLC position, residence life coordinator, like a dorm director at a college, um, but for a residential high school. And at this high school, some of the smartest kids in the state of South Carolina, uh, diplomatic kids and from Bermuda and, and all that, but really just in the state. Um, and so that was really cool. I lived with them and I learned quick that some of the smartest kids do some real dumb things. Um, and so that was there. And, and now I've worked with um, a charter school now, PDMSTA for about four years, uh, first as a consultant, and now I'm the dean of students over there. So in the years in between, I was consulting with various schools, um, mm -hmm. providing that professional development, training, SEL, things like that. And, and now um, I'm still doing that, but but more focused on that charter school, dean of students is where I'm at. And so we're, you know, we're real title one. We had a dirt road when, when I moved into the school, you know, we're just getting our new school built. I love being there every day though. And you know, that that opportunity to really um, see the kids and know the kids and some of them are just so happy to, to be around you and, and know that they have something um, really fun to look forward to when they see you is, is really fun to me. Yeah, they know that somebody's rooting for them. Exactly, exactly. Is there any final words? Even asking your students, how are you today? And genuinely caring and checking in on them. Go ahead. Thank you. you. So no, I was just gonna say I think really right now they feel so unseen and unheard mm. behind the screen that yeah. in the small moments where you're just saying hi to them in the chat because that's our main avenue of communication. 
and saying like, tell me something about your weekend, I think it really does make a difference for them. Yeah, 100%, for sure. I, I could agree with that. Absolutely. And, and I certainly appreciate your time and your uh, effort and energy today. I appreciate you. Uh, where can the people go if they want to find you or more about you? Well, thank you again for having me. Such an honor. Um, I guess you can find me on Instagram at Donut Loving Teacher. Not Donut Loving, but Donut Loving. I don't know why. Um, and then I also have a blog, DonutLovingTeacher.com. All right. All right. I love it. I love it. Well, if you like this episode, share it with your friends. If your friends like donuts, definitely make sure you share it with them. Because I know I do, and I certainly enjoyed this conversation with Stacy. So there's a lot of people that need to hear it, and we hope that you certainly share it. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you want to know more, visit Stacy at The Donut Loving Teacher, and you can find me at Trey Gamage, the website, on social media, or visit seleducators.com for your adult social-emotional learning activities. We'll see you next time. This is The Dad.